Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Father, we pray that we might read, mark, and inwardly digest your word and apply its truth to our daily lives. Amen. Well, I cannot imagine the stress that Theresa May must be going through. <laughs> it's just incredible, isn't it? And she's there now. You know, she must have got up this morning. We've got a little meeting in the House of Commons today. Oh, what fun. Oh. But we've seen featured on the news this week all sorts of people who are going through huge, huge times of stress teachers in secondary education, social workers coping with families in huge distress, teenagers massively stressed, wondering about their own identity. Some suffering at the extremes of life and turning to the Samaritans sometimes for help other times suffering in silence. And last year, for some 5,821 people in the UK, it was all too much, and they committed suicide. That is 112 people a week committing suicide in our country. I was talking to Leila, our cap centre manager, yesterday here. She'd been on the phone to one person who was telling her how he was just about to do that very thing. The things that poor Layla is going through, trying to deal with that, is huge as well. Please pray for her and for the befrienders and for the ministry of CAP through our church. But she was able to speak some words of hope and point people in those situations to the God who brings hope and a future. 
And it can make all the difference. I don't know whether you caught a couple of days ago on the, I think it may have been yesterday, uh, on the news. Uh, the story of a drug addict who had been addicted to cocaine and other drugs since he was 16. He was now 39. He looked a lot older than that and the interview with him told his story. A story that was filmed about eight, nine months ago. And the reporter had gone back just recently and spoke to him now. They showed him the films that they took of him then in the condition that he was and how he looked. Today he looked completely different. There was a light of hope in his eyes. He was clean shaven, he was bright, he was full of confidence in his future. And he simply said that he found a church that he'd been able to meet with people in a, a community of love that accepted him and welcomed him. He'd sung a few songs. He, he didn't talk very much about his faith, but you could tell there was a difference, a marked difference, and he was completely clean from all his drugs. I wonder whether one of the songs or hymns he'd sung was one we sang last week here in our remembrance service at 10.30, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. One of the verses in that hymn speaks, I'm sure, to us all, but I was, I've always been hugely struck by that verse that begins, Drop thy still dews of quietness till all our strivings cease. Take from our lives the strain and stress, and may our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. It wasn't until I started to reflect on that verse with some measure of care that I began to, it, it struck me, that word ordered, may our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. What does that mean? What does an ordered life look like? Is it a life that's sort of nice and tidy where everything's put away and we know exactly where things should go? We know when we should be on time for this and we're on never late for that? It's all very regimented. Is it the sort of ordered life that the writer is thinking of? I don't think so somehow because we live in a messy world and we have messy lives. I don't know if you'd agree, but my reflection is that an ordered life that confesses or speaks of the peace of God is one where the order of our priorities is as God would have it be. It's ordered according to God's agenda. We have our priorities in place. And as a result of that, we are connected to the source of life, the source of peace, the source of inner health, well-being, shalom, that John speaks of in that passage that I read again because it is so central to what we're about as God's people. 
that we're remaining, we're connecting, we're abiding with Christ, in Christ. And it is from that place we find peace that passes all understanding. When we place connecting with Christ, being with Christ, dwelling with Christ as our first priority, then the rest of our lives will flow as God intends them to be. And the men and women of the Bible knew that secret. Their secret of abiding or meditating or contemplating, as it might be called. Genesis 24, for example, Isaac went out into the field to meditate in the evening. It was his habit. Went for a lovely walk and sat in the field and just, ah, just being with the Lord. Psalmist writes, I think of you on my bed and meditate upon you in the watches of the night. Oh, I can't get to sleep. No, you just meditated on the Lord through different times of the night. Psalm 1, as we just read, the one who is blessed, who receives the blessing, the anointing, the approval, the, the being in a good place with Godness is the one who meditates on his law and his word day and night. He's like the person who's like a stream, by a stream, whose roots go out into the water and nourish, because he's ordered his priorities in such a way that he meditates day and night on the Lord. Of course, Jesus too, having grown up with that milieu of, of God's people regularly, day and night, morning and evening, meditating, contemplating, being with the Lord, withdraws regularly as a habit to a lonely place on his own to commune, to listen to the Father, to reflect on the day, to receive the strength of the Holy Spirit, whatever it might be that is Jesus making a priority in the hugely busy, stressful world and life that he was in. He made it his priority. He ordered his life in that way. So how, if this is the pattern that we see in the scriptures, it's the pattern that we know deep in our hearts is going to result in a life that is fruitful and is going to bless others. How do we go about that? Well, uh, just very briefly, Richard Foster, in his book, uh, classic book, Celebration of Discipline, um, it's just got some gems of quotes and, and reflections on this, and I often go back to it, even though it's quite dated now, but he speaks of uh, four ways that, uh, four forms of meditation. He first of all describes preparing to meditate, making possible uh, a, a particular time, and setting aside a particular place, and having a particular posture, a posture that's alert but relaxed. These seats, I think, are very good for that sort of posture. And then to meditate in different ways, maybe firstly on the scriptures. Those words of Jesus, my peace I leave with you. Just a tiny bit, it's only a tiny bit that we can meditate. The old experts, the fathers of spirituality, speak about uh, sucking a boiled sweet so slowly so that you can get all that flavour 
out of it, not crunching it away and thought, mm, that was it. But just taking a tiny verse, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, and just allow those words to go deep within and apply them to yourself. Hear Jesus speaking to you and to me. Secondly, so we, we looked a bit about that uh, and I preached a little bit, didn't I, on, on that Thursday about praying the scriptures. And if you want to go back, you can see that on the, hear it on the website uh, as well. Secondly, recollection or recollection, which uh, is quite close to what is called these days mindfulness. Uh, it's obviously just Christian meditation only made sort of more accessible for people without giving it its Christian angle and is often taking the God thing out of it. But it's certainly rooted in what we call a centering prayer. Centering prayer. Where Richard Foster describes the attitude where you place palms down and then palms up. And palms down, you physically put your palms down on your lap and let go of all those things that are causing angst and think about them and just let them go and leave forgiveness towards other people. And then you put your palms up and receive from God the forgiveness for others or the peace that he is able to give or the strength for the day. A physical action that allows you to center using breathing and all those sort of things. Thirdly, he talks about being able to meditate on God's creation. Taking something from God's creation, having it with you, or sitting with something, lying on the grass, just smelling it, being surrounded by long grass. Imagine doing that, or just being in the sea, floating in the sea, allowing that to remind you of the love that supports you. Great poets have uh, done this so brilliantly. And uh, this a uh, poem by R.S. Thomas that I love uh, was written, handwritten in, by uh, Barbara Tooby for me on the opening of this church and I have it in my little office up, up there. It's called The Kingdom. It's a long way off but inside, inside it there are quite different things going on. Festivals at which the poor man is king and the consumptive is healed. Mirrors in which the blind look at themselves and love looks at them back. An industry is for mending the bent bones and the minds fractured by life. It's a long way off, but to get there takes no time and admission is free. If you purge yourself of desire and present yourself with your need only, and the simple offering of your faith, green as a leaf. Green as a leaf. He must have just had a leaf there with him, seen the leaf, meditated on this green leaf. And it had struck him that that was what faith was meant to be like. Something so simple, so fresh, so innocent as it were. So full of life, green, growing, fragile. Faith, green as a leaf. And then fourthly, he speaks of meditating or contemplating 
the events of our time. Being able to look at the life that we're living in and the world we're living in through God's eyes, having God's perspective. Thomas Merton, that great contemplative of the last century, wrote that the person who has meditated on the passion of Christ but has not meditated on the extermination camps of Dachau and Auschwitz has not fully entered into the experience of Christianity in our time. Meditating on the events of our time. And that's what we were doing last week, weren't we? The whole nation remembering the events of our time and time's gone. Remembrance is a form of meditation. And we need two minutes silence at least to do that. Or just to begin, perhaps. But each week, week by week, as we come to the table... We remember the Last Supper and all that Christ has done, his love and his life laid down. We're invited to draw near with faith, thanksgiving in our hearts, green as a leaf. Draw near to God and to dwell in that love, to receive his grace. And as we make that action of drawing near to God, our first priority in the order of what is important in our lives. Our lives will speak. They will confess the beauty of his peace. And maybe, by God's grace, we will become a maker of peace in our families and in the community where God has placed us here. Amen.